It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's a sports rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. And coming to you from the south side of Fort Wayne, it's John Nolan in for Brett, who's on the road with the Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball team as the Mastodons visit Cleveland State tomorrow afternoon. At two in a game that you'll be able to listen to right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM, as well as streaming online at 1380thefan.com, not to mention over your smart speaker as well. Meanwhile, for the next couple hours, producer Adam Lundy and I have your local sports fix up until 6. Get involved with the program. Our Parkview Sports Medicine text line is 46862. You can also chime in on social media at 1380 The Fan. I'm John underscore G underscore Nolan, N-O-L-A-N. And Adam keeps it pretty simple at Adam Sports Radio. Adam, we made it. Not a, not an easy week. Maybe some of you out there had Monday off, which would have helped. But uh, between the sub-zero temperatures in the front half of the week and then snow last couple of days, we went through it. But here we are. Oh, we made it. It's Friday, and we're uh, right ahead of a packed sports weekend. Yeah, and of course, it's just getting started for you here tonight because later on we'll have high school basketball, our game of the week, starting at 745. It'll be Homestead at Northside, and then that'll be followed by the Parkview Sports Medicine postgame show that'll be live at the East State Pizza Hut. And so Adam will provide coverage of that along with Duke, and Mac, Michael McIntyre. And then after that, stay tuned as well. NBA after dark. It'll be the Pacers playing in Portland against the Trailblazers. Perhaps Pascal Siakam possibly making his Pacers debut. And then uh, not to mention down the dial from us on our sibling station, WoWo 92.3 FM tonight. It's IU men's basketball with a biggie at Wisconsin. That's an 8.30 tip. And if you're Look at it. Tune in on TV. That'll be on FS1 tonight. By the way, a programming note mentioned the Dons are going to be on here tomorrow afternoon. So if you're looking for the Boilermakers tomorrow afternoon, Purdue men's basketball is going to be over on WoWo 92.3 as well as they visit Iowa. Coverage of that one will start at 1. And, you know, right now, getting a chance here to uh, to fill in for Brett, and it's always great to, to join you, Adam, and appreciate everyone out there who... Uh, is tuned in right now, whether it's by mistake as you're just uh, flipping through <laughs> through the dials uh, in the car or uh, however you got here. We appreciate it. Um, you know, maybe my voice for some could be a harbinger, a sign ahead for spring and summer with the tin cap <laughs> season. And you know, as a matter of fact, we are just a few weeks away from tin cap single game tickets going on sale. That'll be Thursday, February 8th with a free breakfast at the ballpark for ticket purchasers uh, already. By the way, you can buy season tickets or book a group outing. The promotional schedule was just released recently. But, yeah, reality is right now, 
Snow on the field, and this, uh, we gear up for uh, the divisional round in the NFL playoffs. Looking ahead, hour number two, we'll make our pick. So, in case, uh, and should uh, also point out, all four NFL playoff games you can hear here on these airwaves again this weekend. So, we'll break those down and let us know what's on your mind. Your best of the week, your worst of the week. If you're going to a game tonight here with uh, local high school basketball Heating up, let us know, but uh, glad to have you along here for the ride. And so, Adam, I mentioned it's going to be a a late night for you working. I suppose you did get to maybe stay in this morning, didn't have to deal with the the snow uh, right away. No, fortunately, my schedule is uh, fairly nocturnal. So during the mornings with the snow, I, I didn't have much of an issue. And then by the time I had to get here this afternoon, roads were pretty clear. Residential, other than that, were pretty fine. Uh, looking forward to a night of high school basketball coverage. Yeah, no, I hear you. And yeah, I should have known. I mean, you got the cereal bowl out here uh, on, the, on the counter. <laughs> oh, here. yeah. Glad you made it <laughs> made it here in time for this four <laughs> o'clock start. Uh, well, Adam, before we go any further, Tell us what's happening here with today's headlines. All right, let's do it. All right, first of all, some news for the Fort Wayne Comets. Goaltender Ryan Fanti is back in town. He will be rejoining the Fort Wayne Comets. He'll play his first game of the season either tonight or tomorrow. As a rookie last season, the Edmonton Oilers prospect quickly became a fan favorite here in the Fort, having a goalie fight and scoring the first goalie goal in Comets franchise history. He had been recovering from a successful hip surgery in the offseason before he was assigned to the Comets. All-star closer Josh Hader agreed to terms on a five-year, $95 million contract with the Houston Astros today. The deal includes no deferrals, making it the largest ever for a relief pitcher in terms of present-day value. And a a quick note there, Adam. A little bit of a a local tie to that because the Padres had offered Josh Hader a contract to re-sign. As a result, San Diego gets a compensation pick. That will be, though... Uh, fourth round or later uh, coming up next year. So perhaps uh, a, a future Tin Caps prospect as a result uh, of the Astros signing away Josh Hader. And I know Houston actually had to fortify the bullpen a bit because uh, former Tin Cap Phil Maton, uh, who they've had in recent years, he's a free agent still yet to sign. Awesome. Thanks for that tidbit. Yeah, Hader had a fantastic season with the Padres in 2023, posting a 1.28 ERA, 85 strikeouts and 30 walks in 56 in the third innings. He converted 33 of his 38 save chances. Tom Pellicero reporting about 45 minutes ago that Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stefan Diggs, who was dealing with a foot injury, is off of the injury report and will be ready to play for Sunday's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And more NFL news, the Raiders are working on a deal with Antonio Pierce to retain him as the 23rd head coach in Raiders franchise history. After going 5-4 and four down the stretch, Pierce gets the full-time job, which is welcome news to many, including one, Max Crosby, who had been very vocal about his support for Antonio Pierce. And yeah, those are your top stories. Yeah, thanks. I, yeah, I'd seen uh, several Raiders players, understandably, especially with how the team seemed to perform there down the stretch, sticking up for Antonio Pierce. One other story that I noticed really popping up uh, in my feed here this afternoon, Adam, that's rather uh, unfortunate, especially as here we are, a sports uh, talk radio program. So as far as sports media goes, uh, Sports Illustrated, for the moment, basically is no more. The entire Sports Illustrated staff reportedly laid off 
due to and it kind of stinks as sports fans now on a regular basis where we get uh inundated with stories about these conglomerate corporations that uh in this case yeah kind of just pull the plug on sports illustrated so uh you feel for their staff that uh now is without a job i and we'll talk more about this uh later i am guessing that it is it necessarily truly the end for Sports Illustrated? Because, you know, for instance, just this past week, again, another example, saw that uh, a Bally Sports brand of networks, and that's owned by something called Diamond Sports Group. And so Diamond Sports Group had filed for bankruptcy. So that was leaving a big question mark with you know teams like, for instance, the Pacers on Valley Sports Indiana, and it's like half of the NBA and NHL and Major League Baseball teams are on a Valley Sports. And, of course, that used to be Fox Sports uh, prior. In any case, then Amazon comes swooping in. And so now Amazon has purchased those Valley networks, uh, which probably are going to have a different name uh, a year or so from now. Even uh, what earlier in the or 2023, the athletic website had filed for bankruptcy and then the New York Times swooped in. And so now the athletic still exists under the uh, umbrella of the New York Times, even uh, not directly sports media. But I remember in the last couple of years, tops making the baseball cards, Mm -hmm. they got purchased by Fanatics, which is the company that these days, I suppose, makes all the t-shirts and and jerseys that uh, we all buy. And I remember seeing the immediate reaction. Oh my gosh, I can't believe Topps logo is not going to be on baseball cards ever again. Well, then fanatics realized from a branding standpoint, it made sense to continue the Topps line. So, I mean, fingers crossed, I guess that sports illustrated actually will live on. Um, But yeah, it already wasn't the same. I actually am surprised at the reaction today where it's, I mean, I guess it was just sort of uh, the finality of seeing people losing their jobs and it really does hit home. But there was a report in recent months that this corporation that was running Sports Illustrated was using AI to come up with stories for the SI.com website and then was attributing them to literally make believe (laughs) authors yeah um so i from that side of things i wasn't surprised to see the news today because sports illustrated had already become kind of gimmicky uh which is really sad because i don't know about you i initially as a kid back in the 90s i grew up at first on sports illustrated for kids they had a special uh publication that would get in the mail and then kind of you know graduated to uh to reading actual sports illustrated so yeah, in case uh, out there, I'm, I'm sure we've got a lot of at least former, if not current, Sports Illustrated subscribers. If you've had a favorite a writer from SI or a favorite cover, I mean, I still do have in the, the press box at Parkview Field in the uh, Tin Caps radio booth. I've got a Sports Illustrated uh, cover up there from when Vince Scully had passed away. Uh, that was an iconic cover. And then, uh, yeah, growing up, it was always cool when you saw your favorite team or your favorite athlete on the cover. So, uh, as someone who, uh, is a passionate Syracuse, uh, basketball fan, I, I've got covers from when they were making NCAA tournament runs. So shame to see, but yeah, if you've got any, uh, nostalgic SI memories 
And our Parkview Sports Medicine text line is 46862. Yeah, it's sad. You know, it's um, probably the most one of the most famous sports publications in American history. They've been publishing since 1954, which is really hard to believe. And it's just an iconic uh, kind of sporting brand that a lot of people grew up with reading and, and seeing at the library. And you see that big red Sports Illustrated text and, and you know what you're in for. And it was always fun to kind of just see what was going on in, in Egypt in uh, each uh, edition. Yeah. Another red flag was the, just this past uh, December what they had Dion as their sports person of the year, which again kind of was signaling that they were going the, the route of for clicks. And I guess uh, they didn't really get enough uh, as it is. Um, all right. Real quick here, Adam. This is this is like a half-baked idea on mm-hmm. my part here for a segment. I'm going to call this uh, real or fake tease. So coming up, I'll tell you why Jerry Jones made the wrong decision for the right reason. That sounds like something you probably did hear on Sports Center oh, yeah. this morning or on one of <laughs> uh, one of the shows out there on, on cable. Uh, otherwise, why Brock Purdy isn't the MVP of his own team, but will be the MVP of the Super Bowl. Again, I, I, these are things. These are things <laughs> I am so tired of hearing, more or less. Uh, finally, what LeBron James could have done but didn't do to save Sports Illustrated. I think it is LeBron's <laughs> fault that Sports Illustrated uh, is dying now. Um, well, no, we actually won't be covering those topics, but in actuality, coming up on the show, uh, might talk more about Sports Illustrated's and we will preview the weekend for the Comets at the Coliseum with the voice of the K's, Shane Alberani. In the next hour, uh, here is you get ready for dinner. We're going to dive into Savor Fort Wayne Restaurant Week here in the Summit City. We'll also check in uh, with Vicki Jacobson from the Journal-Gazette on the beat for local high school hoops here on this Friday. And on the other side of this break, we'll catch up with Pat Boylan from the Pacers broadcast team to get his reaction to the Pascal Siakam trade, plus the latest with Tyrese Halliburton's return from injury and Check the calendar. We're just a month away from the NBA All-Star Game coming to our state. So all that's on the other side. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. And it's John Nolan in for Brett, who's on the road with Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball. They'll take on Cleveland State and Horizon League action tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. In the meantime, the Pacers are on the road as well. Last night, a really impressive 126-120 win after dark against the Sacramento Kings. And tonight, you can counter to the Pacers here against the Portland Trailblazers. And with that in mind, right now we welcome in Pat Boylan from the Pacers broadcast team. You'll hear him tonight. As the host on the radio coverage, you can find him on Bally Sports Indiana as well. Follow him on social media at Pat Boylan Pacers. Pat, thanks so much for your time here. I know it's a busy stretch, a back-to-back for the Pacers, not to mention the news breaking earlier this week of the Pascal Siakam trade uh, becoming official. I was tuned in to, uh, to you with Jeremiah Johnson uh, with the sideline guys podcast, and I know you know you had, I guess uh, maybe not in a bad way, but some time some of your time uh, wasted, if you will, this week. You guys recorded an episode, then uh, the trade goes down officially. You got to re-record. Uh, but what, what was your reaction to uh, this trade going down this week? Hey John, good to be with you. And yeah, you know it was kind of an interesting week because. 
you had continued to hear these rumors, but with rumors, you can just never really be sure. And if you look at the history, uh, really, of the Pacers around the trade deadline, oftentimes the rumors um, are the ones that don't come true. The Pacers historically have been a team where if they make a deal around the deadline, it's one that kind of hits you out of left field. Well, I think the Siakam rumors, they were starting to become overwhelming to the point where uh, we, on our tape podcast that we ended up throwing away digitally, we touched on the potential of uh, a Siakam move and that if it happened, uh, we would be back to talk about it a little bit more. And then uh, the Siakam trade went down, at least according to Woj, an hour later and was official um, as of Tuesday night. So, you know, it's, it's, I think, somebody that the Pacers have had their eye on for quite some time. He makes a whole lot of sense. In general, you know, at a 20,000-foot view, stars and talent are what win in the playoffs. And the Pacers have a budding superstar in Tyrese Halliburton, and they've got a really good roster and, and a group that I think has done a lot of really nice things this year. But when you get to the playoffs, you need star power, and the Pacers are acquiring that. A two-time All-Star in Pascal Siakam, who was probably the third-best player on a championship team a few years ago in Toronto, and he also fits a terrific area of need. If you would have said there's one position the Pacers need the most, it's probably a four. It's why they drafted Jarris Walker, who's also a four, uh, in the offseason. Um, and versatility, something they obviously need. Defensive improvement, something they obviously need on top of it. So the fit here seems to be very, very good. But ultimately, you won't get a good idea on exactly what that will look like until he hits the floor and until he hits the floor with Halliburton in a mostly healthy Pacers group. And fortunately, it seems like that's coming sooner rather than later. Uh, not sure if that will be tonight in Portland or not. Yeah, so uh, lots to follow up on there. Uh, for instance, Jarris Walker flashing his potential last night, a new career high for him uh, in his rookie season with 15 points as the Pacers were shorthanded not only without Siakam yet, but also a few guys out injured. Um, but as far as... Uh, the, the Pascal edition here. I think there's like multiple layers um, to why you and Pacers fans here are excited. Um, when you look at how so many other players in the last couple seasons have had their performance elevated by playing alongside Hallie. And then, um, you know, not to mention what the Pacers gave up or better yet, what they didn't give up here in this trade. So, you know, how do you, how do you really break down the deal? Yeah, I mean, if you would have said to me at the beginning of the year that the Pacers are going to be able to acquire Pascal Siakam via trade and to do it without giving up Matherin, without giving up Nemhard, without giving up Walker, without even giving up Ben Shepard, um, I would have called you crazy. And look, the Pacers clearly held a ton of leverage here. Siakam's on an expiring deal. With that leverage comes risk. You're trading for a guy that can choose his own path in the summer, now, the reports that have been out that I think everybody has seen, I think his agent, in fact, made a public statement, is that he's very excited about the idea of being in Indiana long term. So that's the, the give and take with a deal like this is there's some risk involved, but at the same time, you're getting a player like him on a discount, and it still allows you know this last couple years of first-round draft picks that you've selected. You've had two first-round picks in each of the last two years. It allows you to keep all of those guys, and the way that the Pacers are kind of situated here is that they've got so much depth right now that Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard, they're struggling to find playing time with him. You know, the game last night was an anomaly. The Pacers just have so much depth 
at the moment that they want to get those guys playing time, um, but they're kind of far down uh, the, the depth chart. Good problem to have. Well, you maybe then don't have the ability to draft two more first-rounders and find any sort of minutes or playing time for them. So not only do you not have to give up probably your four top young assets, if you will, um, but you're giving up picks in a draft that has been considered by most to be probably a down draft. Look, those picks could turn into anything. Toronto could do a great job with them, but they probably didn't have a ton of value to the Pacers. And so the ability to get a two-time all-star right in the heart of his prime for a couple of late picks in a draft that you know probably won't end up being that good, and then one other down the road in 2026 when you hope you're good and that that pick is later, um, if Siakam signs long-term and has the impact that he has the potential to be, you're getting him at pennies on the dollar at that rate. Yeah, we're joined by Pat Boylan from the Pacers broadcast team right now. And conversation for another time, but it is kind of a weird trend that uh, has uh, popped up here among fans in recent years. I think about it in baseball when it comes to talking about prospects in the farm system and maybe more so in basketball and football with teams' draft picks where fans have just fallen in love with the idea of hugging uh, the, the prospects or the draft picks and really thinking down the road when, hey, here you've got an opportunity, like you said, to add a, a multi-time all-star and a, a star right now uh, who's going to give you a chance to compete, uh, potentially for a, a chance for a championship. Uh, now, Pat, I guess it's still a couple of things still unclear. Uh, let's talk along the, the idea of long-term for a second any forecast for when an extension for Siakam could come? Is that something that would be imminent or maybe not until after the season? Yeah, you know, a question like that is one that's a bit over my head, and we might get some more idea on it when Kevin Pritchard, as long as he does talk, he typically speaks uh, right after the trade deadline, and he might be able to get some insight on that. Um, you know, it'll be something that I think the two sides will be working on uh, very closely once you get to the off season. You don't make a trade for this for a guy like this, especially in the position the Pacers are, right? I mean, they're, they're not a team that's got a ton of veterans and we're maybe one piece this year away from winning a championship to where you make the move uh, to try to win a title this year and then you figure everything else out later. This is a long-term move in mind. So the Pacers have a massive interest in getting this deal done in the offseason, getting a long-term deal done. You know, one major advantageous uh, perspective and concept really of, of making the trade for him versus trying to sign him in the offseason um, is that you get his bird rights when you trade for him, which basically allow the team that's negotiating with him to offer another year and some more money. So the Pacers get the inside track by getting him here for a few months before we hit the free agency period. And then they get the inside track by being able to offer him a more lucrative deal. And I think the expectation is the ability to play with Tyrese Halliburton um, is going to rub off very well on him. We've seen so many players already for the Pacers that have had career years or jumps in their career just simply by being put on the floor with Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, and then, you know, the, the Pacers clearly value him heavily and seem to be willing to invest in him long term. And I think if you're Siakam, those are probably two of the most important things that you're looking for. So it seems like there's plenty of optimism in both directions there that something would happen over the summer. Um, but, you know, probably a, a more in-depth question for when Kevin Pritchard can speak on it. 
Yeah, by the way, have you printed any T-shirts yet with the uh, the phrase you've uh, coined, Halley Bump? <laughs> you know what? My uh, my, my T-shirt printer uh, got, got caught up in, in the mail in Amazon, so it hasn't, <laughs> hasn't arrived yet. But, yeah, that's a, that's a term I was using on the podcast to describe other players or on the Pacers who have seen a bump in their own career next to Tyrese Halliburton once they've gotten on the floor with it. We've seen it with Miles Turner. We've seen it with Aaron Neesmith. Uh, we've seen it with Obi Toppin. We've seen it with a handful of guys. So the hope is, look, this guy's already a two-time All-Star, and he's played with some good point guards. He's played with Kyle Lowry. He's played with Fred Van Fleet. Those guys are borderline All-Star caliber guys, and Lowry early in his career was certainly uh, a perennial All-Star. But he's not played with a player that has the vision of Tyrese Halliburton. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully that pallet bump happens here for Pascal as well. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not sure if he'll debut tonight at portland otherwise the pacers continue their road trip out west in phoenix on sunday before finally returning home next tuesday against denver so difficult part of the schedule here in this month of january but all of a sudden the, the pascal news kind of puts things over the top this week and then you know just uh, on the subject of Halliburton, it was already uh, a week for optimism uh as it sounds like there's encouraging news in terms of his return from uh, the hamstring injury. So what's the latest there? Yeah, you know, this is stunning. And unfortunately, I don't have uh, a direct answer for the day he is going to play or the game he is going to return in. Uh, But when he went down, it was December 8th. It was a week and a half ago. You know, he's being carried off the floor. He's got a towel over his face. So uh, people can't see just how much anguish and pain he's in. Um, And you could forgive any Pacers fan for thinking the worst in that moment. And the Pacers then got fantastic news the next day that it was a grade one strain, that he would be reevaluated on the 23rd. And that seemed like best case scenario. And yet, uh, you might have even leveled up one level higher on what best case scenario was because I've been saying over and over look, this is a reevaluation date on the 23rd. It's not necessarily the day he's going to come back. Typically, on an injury like this, when a team releases a reevaluation date, okay, the 23rd has arrived, here's what we're forecasting for that player's return. Yet he was questionable for the game yesterday. The Pacers on a back-to-back don't have to put out an injury report until 4.30 today, so it's possible it's gone up here just uh, as you and I are talking. Um, But it doesn't seem out of the question at all that he could return before the Pacers return home. So they've got a game tonight in Portland, and then they play Sunday in Phoenix. And he left that door wide open for a return. So it's, it's best case scenario on a top of a best case scenario. And it seems like both Halliburton, uh, his return and Siakam's debut are coming very, very soon here. We'll find out if one, both, neither, uh, are tonight here probably in the next hour or so. Yeah, and as of uh, four minutes ago, Tyrese tonight listed as questionable. Isaiah Jackson is out after suffering, unfortunately, a concussion last night. Andrew Nimhard out again. Benedict Matherin's uh, questionable with a left ankle sprain. Aaron Neesmith uh, also, along with Obi Toppin, on the uh, the questionable list. Uh, some, some minor injuries for them. But uh, we'll stay tuned for uh, the Siakam debut the Halliburton return. And meanwhile, speaking of Halliburton, again, another positive uh, storyline here with the Pacers is that he continues to lead all Eastern Conference guards in voting for the All-Star game, which is now a little bit less than a month away. But, Pat, just looking ahead to next month uh, with our state getting to host this uh, major 
major event beyond the game that I'm sure most fans know they can watch on TNT on Sunday night. You know, what else are you looking forward to? What should people maybe uh, from up here in Northeast Indiana uh, have on the radar that would be worth uh, going down to check out there? Yeah, John, I think it's the spectacle of the whole weekend. And, you know, we have been waiting for this for so long. Uh, I started with the Pacers late in 2014, and it wasn't long after that that I started hearing, you know, the word all-star and host kind of crop up in conversations. And, of course, this then was awarded to Indiana in 2021, which was postponed um, due to COVID. It feels like the Pacers uh, have been preparing for this for almost a decade now. And you know very well, uh, those listening in Fort Wayne know very well, this city and this state put on just a tremendous show when big events are in town. And so I'm really just looking forward to the spectacle of it the most and seeing how these seven, eight-plus years of preparation are going to come to fruition. Um, you know, there are a, a couple, I think, a little bit of surprises that are going to come into play as it regards to uh, in regard to the weekend and, and what the city and what PSNE and what the NBA have planned. It, it's going to be just a fantastic time for the state of Indiana. And, look, I, I know tickets are scarce. I know they're hard to get. I, I think the Pacers did everything they could to try to make um, a bunch of these affordable. Um, but at the end of the day, the demand is through the roof. And, uh, you know, I think if you've got the ability to come down uh, from Fort Wayne, you know, hop on 69 and come down for the weekend, I think it's going to be a spectacle even if you don't have a ticket. Um, I know I'm going to really enjoy just being around and kind of soaking it all in during All-Star break weekend, and the Pacers before then are returning home for a four-game homestand here from the 23rd uh, through the end of next week. So you've got an opportunity here, if you want to get tickets even for the 23rd, to perhaps see the first game of Pascal Siakam at home in a Pacers uniform. It sounds decently positive, like Tyrese Halliburton uh, might be playing in that one, too. I know it's a little bit of a drive. I've got family up there. I've done it many times. You do it more than anybody, John. It's it's just kind of a, a quick hike up 69 uh, or down 69, um, and we would love to have anybody you know up there in Fort Wayne down here, whether it's this homestand upcoming or All-Star Weekend, which now is under a month away. It's, it's hard to believe. It feels like we've been talking about it for almost a decade, and, and here we are, I think, 27, 28 days away from the weekend officially getting started. Well put. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm planning to be down there for at least one of the events uh, over All-Star Weekend. Uh, finally, uh, Pat, for you here, with this West Coast trip and tonight, you know, a, a late start, so that means even a later uh, post-game coverage. What, uh, how do you change your routine to make sure that uh, you're still high energy for being on air? Are you a coffee guy? Is it an energy drink? Do you have another uh, secret tip for uh, for some of us? Oh, it's coffee, man. For me, it's coffee. Um, you know, I, I appreciate so much because it's my, look, it's my job. I'm, I'm so fortunate to get to talk about basketball and broadcast basketball for a living. And, John, I know you feel the same way uh, with everything with, that you do on the basketball and the baseball end. Uh, we're so fortunate to have jobs like these. Uh, staying up a little bit late, you know, it, it's hard to complain about that. It's really the fans that I admire. You know, those of you, Friday's a little easier, but... Uh, a Thursday night, 10 o'clock game. We had a ton of people watching on TV, listening on radio. Uh, Eddie White, who does our post-game show here in Indianapolis, is uh, back at home for a few days, so I'm filling in for him. So, yeah, it's like a 2 a.m. exit from the studio, which is certainly uh, a late exit uh, for a game. But 
nothing I'd rather be doing, and we so much appreciate those of you that listen on our Fort Wayne affiliate. And, yeah, it'll, it'll be another late one tonight. For me, it's coffee. Maybe for you, it's soda. Maybe uh, you're just naturally caffeinated, but uh, we would love for you to stay up again with us uh, late tonight. Amen to all that. And so, yeah, 10 o'clock tip tonight out in Portland. You can catch Pat on the coverage here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. We'll, we'll let you get to uh, your pregame prep. Make sure you have enough time to uh, to fill up the, uh, the venti size uh, to get ready. But thanks again, Pat. You got it, John. Thank you. There is Pat Boylan. You can follow him at Pat Boylan Pacers on social media. Going to switch gears, go from the hardwood to the ice, and on the other side, bring on Shane Alberani, the voice of the comments, to talk about what's on tap for the K's this weekend. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Mike Nutter, team president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. And it's John Nolan from the Tin Caps in for Brett. He's out with the Mastodons. They're on the road. Purdue-Fort Wayne men's basketball at Cleveland State tomorrow. Two o'clock tip. A game you can listen to right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Meanwhile, this weekend over on WoWo, plenty of Comets hockey, including tonight, coming up at 8 o'clock. First ever time the Kays will be welcoming in the Worcester Railers, New York Islanders affiliate. And right now, it's a treat for us to be joined by the voice of the Comets, Shane Alberani. Shane, we actually just had uh, Pat Boylan from the Pacers broadcast team on uh, a moment ago. They're playing tonight at 10 o'clock. So we were talking with Pat about his routine and staying up uh, for a, a late game that's out on the West Coast tonight. So he was talking about drinking coffee uh, before he goes on air. I was just chatting with Adam about some pre-broadcast rituals and he was filling me in on how you know you kind of have a unique way of getting ready uh for games and anyone who follows you on social media knows that you're a pretty big music guy right yeah um uh you know what hey as long as i've got pants on i'm ready to go uh so that's (laughs) that's a big one for me uh you know i don't really do a whole lot other than i turn up slayer anthrax metallica overkill you just name every thrash band you can, and uh, it gets me fired up. I don't need coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that is that is a uh, music form of, of coffee right there. Uh, <laughs> crazy thing is, Mike Moss has the exact same ritual before Tin Caps games. <laughs> <laughs> may or may not be true. Um, yeah. Well, hey Shane, earlier actually, Adam also uh, helped uh, break uh, break some news in the headlines today as far as uh, things go for the Comets. Uh, for anyone who missed that, though, uh, catch us up on who's been assigned back to the team here ahead of the weekend. Yeah, Ryan Fancy. What do you know? Uh, he's back uh, with the Comets. Uh, uh, I don't know how long it'll be, but uh, he is back. Uh, he's been rehabbing an injury, so uh, he is back down in Fort Wayne. Of course, uh, the famous Ryan Fancy. He's already, you know, a legend. You know, he got into the goalie fight last uh, last last March. And a couple weeks later, he scored the first goalie goal in Comet history. So he has already hit legend status and uh, glad to have him back in Fort Wayne. Yeah, that's really cool. We'll see what uh, the trilogy to uh, the epic uh, story will be for, for Ryan. Are you expecting him to uh, to start tonight? Uh, he's not going to start tonight. Uh, we will see him at some point this weekend, uh, but we know not tonight. Okay. Well, here we are about midway through the season, right? 18 wins, 16 losses, uh, an overtime setback, a couple uh, in shootout. So second in the Central Division, a pretty distant second to Toledo. But then that said, 
it looks like five points separating the next five teams uh, and the Comets uh, overall fourth in the Western Conference right now. So here at this midpoint, what would be your, your pulse check uh, on the team and the outlook ahead? Well, this team is, uh, unfortunately, kind of eerily reminiscent of last year because literally they have the same record. I think last year's team maybe had, was 40 points, the Comets have 39 coming into this season, or coming into to tonight's game. And But the only difference is they're in second place now where last, last year's team was in fifth place, but there wasn't. There was more uh, separation uh, that year, and the Comets have played a lot of games over the past, uh, really, two months. So they don't have any games at hand, what they normally would have. I think at this point last year, I think they had three or four games actually on all the other teams in the division, and this year it's reversed. So, yeah, that, that second place, uh, it's, it's a little little iffy. They, they've got to win. They've they got to have a good showing here this weekend because you can go from second to sixth real quick in the central division. So, and I think they know that. And you know what? There's been a lot of injuries. There's been a couple call-ups, but not a whole lot of back and forth there. So, you know, it's just a matter of getting some consistency. And I know I say that all the time, but that's what it is. Yeah. And so uh, first things first here with uh, Wooster coming in this weekend, first time ever. And uh, so as a result, probably going to have to dedicate some time this weekend to letting everyone know how to say the name of this city that's in Massachusetts because it does not look like Wooster. Um, yeah, uh, everyone makes fun of me. I don't think I've got it right in all these years. And we played them a few times out in Massachusetts. But, uh, yeah, that's my, my pregame here, just practicing that. I'll be saying the Railers a lot. Though. There you go. That's probably for the best. And, uh, yeah, I remember when you were out there, what, a couple years ago, and there was that really massive snowstorm. Our, our two or so uh, inches here today, nothing compared to uh, what you guys were dealing with in the past. But, anyway, uh, is uh, it's a, a new opponent here uh, inside the jungle. Uh, what do you look forward to with this matchup? Uh, you know, this 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 Wooster team uh, doesn't score a lot. Uh, so uh, it's going to be a defensive game. The Comets are streaky when it comes to scoring goals. You know, they'll 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 score in bunches, and then you know you'll have they'll score one goal over three games. So you kind of don't know. Uh, again, it comes back to the consistency thing, but uh, the Strailers team, they, they don't score a whole lot. Uh, so, you know, at three or four goals, we'll probably do the trick tonight. And the comments have got an excellent goaltending. I think Brett Brochu is going to go tonight. Uh, did not play in the series in Rapid City last week uh, due to an injury. Uh, so uh, Tyler Park's got all the starts, all the reps. Uh, so he might be a little bit rusty, but he's been really, really good, even though his record kind of doesn't reflect that. But he's been great. So uh, I would expect... Expect a really good goaltender performance, even though the Comets are are beaten up at the blue line right now. But you know what? When they get that first goal and they're not playing from behind, they're a different team. So hopefully we can jump on them early and we'll have a successful weekend. Yeah, so it's tonight, 8 o'clock, puck drop. Tomorrow, 7.30. Sunday, 5 in the evening. And Shane, how about you know beyond the, uh, beyond the hockey, uh, promotionally-wise for fans, uh, what's happening at the Coliseum? Yeah, we're expecting a, a big crowd uh, here tomorrow. We'll have a nice one here tonight. There's still tickets available, but uh, but we opened up the second side of uh, the upper deck. Uh, that shows you how big the crowd is going to be for tomorrow already. Uh, and then Sunday, we've got Meyer Family Night. We have got a post-game skate. Uh, it's season ticket exchange night, and it's kids' seat free. So Sunday... Uh, there's all kinds of reasons to come out here uh, to the Coliseum on Sunday, but it's going to be a big crowd here tomorrow night. So I also would recommend everyone to come uh, here on Saturday. There's just a few tickets left. It's going to be pretty electrifying when this place is, is filled up. So uh, you want to get out here Saturday. That's awesome, and I believe I saw tomorrow 
uh, even better, a doubleheader with the uh, Indiana Tech nationally ranked women's hockey team. Fittingly, uh, taking on an opponent from uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts as well in UMass. So, uh, doubleheader action tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know uh, if that was planned, but yeah, it turns out to be pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> we'll take advantage of that. That game starts at, uh, at 2 o'clock here at the Coliseum. And let's see, just uh, to wrap up, tying up some uh, some loose ends. Also, looking ahead, I'd seen shared on social media earlier this week. Um, in early February, it'll be a Comets Fight Cancer Night and some special edition uniforms for that, uh, which, will be, which will be benefiting uh, a really important cause. Yeah, uh, yeah, it goes to fight cancer and cancer charities. And that's always, it's always a plus. And it's always one of the most popular weekends of uh, the season. And, of course, you check out the jerseys. Uh, they're all on Comet social media, and they're, they're pretty cool. And, uh, you know, those are one of the, the more sought-after jerseys uh, that we have each year. So looking forward to that weekend. And just to recap, and, you know, admittedly working in minor league baseball and the, the G League, They've got some quirks to them, but one with the ECHL that, that's really a, a bit of a, a puzzler for me, at least, that the All-Star game takes place uh, as other regular season matchups are going on. But can you summarize for us uh, how the Comets were represented at the All-Star game uh, recently down in Savannah, Georgia? <laughs> well, Jack Dugan and Skylar Garver, our crew manager, uh, were involved in the, in the All-Star game, and Jack Dugan scored a goal, but... Uh, to be honest with you, John, I'll tell you a little story. I was trying to get back from Rapid City. Uh, my plane was delayed uh, almost 10 hours. I missed one flight uh, going from Minneapolis to Chicago to Fort Wayne. I did not get home until after the All-Star game had started. That's how long. It took me almost two days to get home. So, unfortunately, I really am not the guy to ask about the ECHL All-Star game because I had been awake about 26 hours at that point. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i know i should have started there glad that you did eventually make it i was trying to keep up with your updates on social media and at one point you didn't hear from you for a while so i got i was concerned but yeah it makes sense that you just needed to, to land and catch up on sleep but uh wow another another chapter for uh your future book right uh, ab- absolutely absolutely so uh yeah you know that's the life of uh of minor league broadcasters you know johnny that uh Sometimes that stuff happens, but, uh, you know, you don't have to deal with the weather as much as us hockey folk do, uh, <laughs> but it does make for some, some really cool stories. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, glad glad you got back. We'll see. We'll check in with uh, Brett next week. Hopefully it's uh, going to be smooth sailing for him and the Mastodons out to Cleveland where they're expecting more snow than uh, we got here. But anyway, Shane, thanks a lot for your time here as you gear up for a busy weekend uh, in the jungle, and uh, best of luck to you and the case. All right, thanks a lot, John. There was the voice of the Comets, Shane Albarani, joining us from the Coliseum. I guess, Adam, he's not quite into full uh, pregame mode. The late start tonight at 8. So when does he start cranking the uh, the heavy metal? Um, I'll tell you what. I, I would assume it's as soon as he gets into the press box. So if he's not in the press box already, you know, probably not. A little couple hours away, but I'd imagine he starts cranking that that <laughs> that that metal as soon as he gets into the press box. Well, I guess maybe we just appreciate that he, he lowered the, the volume in the background there for us to have that conversation. And again, you can listen to the comments tonight on WoWo 1190 AM while the Hoosiers IU men's basketball is going to be on WoWo 92.3 FM as they try to win a game at Wisconsin, which they haven't done since I think Adam was in diapers. Definitely, yeah. 1998, <laughs> so I would have been one. Wow. Well, looking ahead, hour number two, we'll talk a little bit 
Uh, IU will talk Purdue for that matter. We're also going to dive into the NFL playoffs. We're going to touch on local high school basketball, Saver Fort Wayne week or restaurant week here in Northeast Indiana. So I'm actually kind of getting hungry. I probably didn't have enough for lunch. <laughs> so we'll have that conversation in hour number two and would love to hear from you as well on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. I uh, did have uh, a message and as a side note here, share your name if you're up for it so we can give you a shout out. But we were talking earlier, the uh, unfortunate news of Sports Illustrated having its entire staff reportedly laid off. Uh, I'm not sure if it, Sports Illustrated might get bought up by another corporation and hopefully will continue to exist. But at least this iteration of Sports Illustrated, sadly, is over with. So if you had a favorite cover over the years, we had someone chime in that they remember when Hulk Hogan was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And that, I'm sure, was significant and kind of given some legitimacy to uh, professional wrestling uh, there in Sports Illustrated, which is kind of like the Bible of sports coverage uh, at that point in time. So uh, whatever's on your mind, your best of the week, your worst of the week. Thanks for being with us here on this Friday. We'll have more of the Sports Rush coming up next on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.